from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Especially when you're talking about doing something in a short period of time, you want it, you want people to get it right away. And so there's something about songwriting um, that does that. So particularly in the third movement, you really, really get that. And um, and I think this is some this is a reason why this particular piece was really uh, Tara was a perfect call for it. Hmm. Tara, did opera end up sort of expanding your ideas of of what's possible, I guess, in in music? Oh, definitely. Um, well, as a child, like I, I was like, and to this day, like I was really, really tuned in um, to public access television. So there was so much. Um, there was. I, I remember sitting on my floor, like in fourth grade, watching Madame Butterfly, and <laughs> just kind of being uh, immersed in that and wanting, like, oh wow, like who writes that? Because I've always been concerned, like, really dialed in on who's writing what. I'm Sarah Fenske. In just two weeks, Opera Theatre of St. Louis kicks off its new festival season, the first in two years. Last summer, of course, COVID had other plans. But this season promises the return of daring new works and some old favorites, too, like some Puccini. Now, that classic aria is from Gianna Schicchi. It's back on the stage of Opera Theater of St. Louis for the first time since 1979. And in just a bit, we'll hear from a composer and a librettist whose new opera will also make its world premiere on the stage. But first, we should mention how different that stage will look this year. And joining us today to explain how is On Lay. She is the Director of Marketing and PR for Opera Theater of St. Louis. So, On, welcome. Thank you so much, Sarah. So this year, you aren't just doing different shows than you'd planned for that canceled 2020 season. You've also moved the entire festival outside. Has Opera Theater ever done that in its history? Never before. You know, being outdoors is such an integral part of our experience, but usually that's pre-show. People do picnic in our gardens. They enjoy dinners that either we prepare for them or they can bring their own. And we're still going to be doing that this year, of course, socially distanced and asking people to wear masks when not sitting at a picnic table. But we've never actually performed outdoors before. So this will be a very exciting new venture for us. So your website seems to cover every last possible thing that could go wrong, from the possibility (laughs) of rain to the idea of like, okay, are you even going to be able to pull off the super titles that we use to, to read the lyrics. How many different complications did you have to work through to pull this off? Endless, endless numbers of details and complex new factors to consider. And I am not joking when I say that we feel like we are building the plane as we fly it. This has been completely different, but it's been fun in so many ways. It's a chance for us to really re-envision our business model, what we do, what part of the experience connects with audiences. And there's just so much excitement from all of our staff and all of our artists to finally be back to performing live for an audience once again. So it's been exhausting, but we are really, really excited. And when you talk about that excitement, that clearly extends to your audience. You sold out last Friday. That was less than a week after opening the tickets to the general public. Were you surprised to see so much pent-up demand for opera. You know, we were really humbled and overwhelmed by the response to our ticket sales. 
We had hoped, of course, that with only 263 seats that we would have no problem filling those seats every night. But to sell out so quickly was something that we really hadn't anticipated. And we did start with uh, donor pre-sales and subscriber pre-sales to those for whom we had existing obligations from our canceled 2020 season. Mm -hmm. And even just within three hours of opening those pre-sales up, we had sold out three shows. By the end of the first day, we had sold out five shows. And like you said, last Friday, we sold the very last tickets available for the season. Uh, Well, not quite the last tickets. And I have a feeling you're about to ask me about that. I was. I was, in fact, about to ask you about that. Because I imagine there's probably some people listening who weren't necessarily subscribers, but love loved going to Opera Theater of St. Louis. Are they completely out of luck at this point? No, not completely. So we are very proud to be launching a new initiative this year called Phyllis's Seats. This program is named after the late Phyllis Brissenden, one of our earliest supporters and a dear, dear friend of our company. And Phyllis was a woman who loved bringing new people to the opera with her. And so in her memory, we've decided to offer 30 free seats to every single performance in perpetuity. We're actually hoping that next year in 2022, that number may go up to as many as 50 seats, if not more. Hmm. But the goal is to make art accessible for everyone in our community, regardless of their economic well-being. And especially in the wake of this last year, when so many have been hit so hard, it just seems like the right thing to do to try to ensure that wallet is no barrier to enjoying a night at the opera. Hmm. So there are details on how to take advantage of those Phyllis's seats. Those are on the Opera Theater of St. Louis's website. I do want to mention, though, um, you were awarded this really amazing $45 million bequest. That was kind of just before the pandemic upended everything for arts organizations. And it felt like such a big deal at the time. But has it become even more so as the next year has just put so many people in financial straits? You guys have been pretty lucky. We've been extremely fortunate, and I hope that Phyllis is looking down on us and smiling, uh, knowing that she has done so much to secure our future, not just this year, but for so many more years to come. So on last question for you before we're going to get to talking to some of the people involved in this year's season. There's six productions on the bill this year, some of them very different than the norm, and then also some classics. We've got some Puccini. Which are you personally most excited to see? Oh, I don't know if I could even choose a favorite. I'm, they're all exciting in different ways. I am personally very excited about Johnny Skiki because I think a comedy is the perfect way to kick off our season. But also Opera Theater is known for doing world premieres. We have a strong track record of introducing new works to opera audiences. And so it feels very fitting that this year, when so many artists have been unemployed, that we're not doing just one, but actually three world premieres back to back in one evening of performance. Um, the new works, Bold Voices Lab, will feature works by uh, composers Damien Sneed, Laura Cartman, and Stephen Mackey with librettists Tara Stinson, Karen Shilton, and Rinda Eckert. And we're just really excited to be able to call this the 29th of our many world premieres. Hmm. Well, it's going to be such an exciting season, and we're going to get a sneak preview of of one of those pieces here in just a moment. But uh, Anlay of Opera Theatre St. Louis, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And on again is the marketing director for Opera Theater of St. Louis. It kicks off its sold-out season in just two weeks. Now, one of the operas making its world premiere during this year's Opera Theater of St. Louis festival season is titled On the Edge. Its subject is ripped from the headlines. And if you listen in, you just might be able to relate. Today, we begin our unit on the René Descartes. Descartes, Mom. 
And that is from On the Edge, a 20-minute opera making its debut next month at Opera Theater of St. Louis as part of its new works, Bold Voices Lab. And its subject, Parenting in a Pandemic. And joining us today to discuss it are the two women who've brought it to life. Laura Cartman is the composer of On the Edge. Laura, welcome. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Tara Stinson. She's the librettist of On the Edge. Tara, welcome. Thank you. So, Tara, parenting in a pandemic, it's definitely been high drama for a lot of us. What made you realize it wasn't just drama, but it was an opera? Um, Actually, it was Laura's idea. I have to give it all to her. She she was parenting in a pandemic, and I was like, I just had a a view uh, where I can comfortably sit back and laugh at at all of my friends who were going through this, and I was just so happy to be a storyteller to help tell the story. So you saw the comedy in there right away. Laura, was it hard for you to find the comedy in what has been trauma for a lot of people? No, but I'd like to say that immediately the trauma was just listening to my very raw demo of of oh. me singing, me singing that that little bit. So everybody forgive us. It'll be way better. But um, no, it it was not hard to find the comedy because it was um, it was it was like a physical comedy. I mean, look, and that's not to make light of the people who are really suffering because there's real Mm -hmm. suffering going on. But I think what we wanted to look at, at least in some of the piece, um, was capturing that moment in time. Um, And there there are these three movements within the short opera. The first one takes place in April, the second in May, and the second in June. And each month is kind of characterized by a different... um, sort of emotional space, let's say. Hmm. So you've only got 20 minutes to sort of create this world and then take you to this emotional space. Tara, is that pretty challenging to do when you're having to speed things up that that quickly? Uh, no, it wasn't a challenge, I'd say. Um, it, it was just, you, we, you know the story. It, and actually, it was like, it was a lot different because the song is like five minutes. Mm. So this was, you know, this is my first opera. I'm, this is my first uh, time writing um, to to being a librettist. So it, it was, it was just all exciting for me and just a new experience that I just like dived head first into. Mm. And um, I I really like immersed myself in experience and, and 20 minutes was, was, ample time. So this felt long to you. Laura, you've written both long and short. Um, for you, was it was it hard to work through everything you wanted to work through in these three different themes um, with the restrictions that you had? You know, no. And I think a lot of that is because Tar and I are used to working in film and television. And in film and television, mm-hmm. you have to get to the point very quickly. You don't have a lot of time to bring people in emotionally. So I think we brought those skills to bear uh, and her incredible songwriting skills, um, especially in the third movement, to really make this, so to speak, sing in such a short period of time for an opera. So I want to play another um, piece from this. I believe this is from the same demo. So Laura, I hope this is. Wait a minute. Be... Tell me <laughs> what it is great, first. Laura. No, 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 no. Tell me what it is first. Oh, Tell boy. me what it is. Is it from the third movement? I be- if it is, I. Okay. okay I believe I this Tara... is from the third movement. Yes. Okay. Um, then Tara is going to sing it live for you. Okay? Oh wow. Okay. Hey. Way this better. is a special treat, Tara. You're being volunteered to sing live on the. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Two hours behind. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's been hard. I know we lose hope, but hold on. It'll be alright. It'll be 
Tara, I, I have chills. I'm, I can't believe you just did that. I'm so grateful that you just said that. Yeah, I want to say for the, the people listening, um, this is not something we planned here. But, but what a no. lovely moment and, and what a lovely voice. Tara, tell us, what is this song about? Uh, it, it was just, um, it, it's June, you know, so this is like fresh on the hills of the uh, George Floyd uh, tragedy, mm-hmm. um, murder. So it was, uh, it, there's a lot of kids that were just starting to feel unsafe and unprotected in their own homes. And especially, you know, I, I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, all of the kids in my family and uh, stretching to Birmingham, Alabama, were just feeling like unprotected mm-hmm. and by the people that, that, that are supposed to protect us. The same 911, the same telephone number you call uh, for help is the same number you were calling, I mean, that, that, that was hurting us. Um, so that was kind of uh, the sentiment. And we wanted um, just to, to speak from the children's pers- perspective, like of if who's going to protect our father, you know, who's, who's going to, um, who's going to protect us if our father's not here to protect us sort of like in the space of where, what Gianna Floyd may have been feeling. Hmm. So yeah. this sort of takes that, that sort of frantic feeling of the opening number where we're doing virtual learning and, mm-hmm. and really slows it down and, and becomes this, this moment of, of reassuring. And it's, it's such lovely music. Laura, I'm, I'm curious how your process works. Do you write the music first or does Tara write the words and then you're bringing in the music? We kind of go back and forth. I mean, I think that for me, um, I kind of sit down with, I mean, it's different with an opera than really a song, Mm -hmm. but with an opera, I like to have something to look at and I'll sit down and I'll work with something and I'll work with the libretto. Then I'll reach back out to the librettist and say, I need another rhyme here. I need an extension here. I want to delete this. But But for this one, Tara, who you hear is a beautiful singer and a composer in her own right, had sung the melody and so I really set her melody and worked very closely with what came from her heart which was obviously very appropriate given the subject matter. So so Tara that melody was there first for you was this something that that had personal resonance? Oh man yeah just that time if you if you look at our movements um, being April May and June June was heavy so the melody is just kind of like uh, it was dragging, like how my heart was dragging on the mm. ground at the time. And um, but, you know, it, it was it, it was, I, you know, the first two movements were funny and um, we were getting through it and they were frustrated. And then this just offered a different perspective where, oh, my goodness, frustration is not even the word and sadness and but also call to action and. Uh, just a teaching a teaching moment for uh, the world, really. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot of back and forth in this process for the two of you. I imagine uh, during this pandemic, you were not able to do that in person. Uh, Laura, how did that work with, with your process of sending things back and forth? Were you using digital files or, or was Tara literally singing on the phone to you? <laughs> We were using digital files and working on the phone and working on Zoom. Um, I think that, you know, by December, when I really wrote this thing, um, we were all of us had become comfortable working online. Um, And I had done this whole TV series, Lovecraft Country, which, you know, we recorded everything online. So it, it had become kind of a way of life, even though in some ways it's it's not as effective as being together. I, it worked for us. I think it worked okay. Hmm. Tara, I'm, I'm curious to hear how the two of you first started working together. 
Oh wow! Um, so many years ago, um, we worked on a on a on a, t- on a movie, um, and it was also a musical called Black Nativity, uh, starring Jennifer Hudson, and mm. um, it was just it was such a beautiful experience. We we wrote these songs together. We became instant family. Um, and, and when Laura was just talking about our process, I have to give shouts out to Benny Cartman, um, <laughs> Laura's son, <laughs> who is amazing and guided me through so much about the from a child's perspective. Um, but, yeah, we became family. And um, that's why I'm able to pick up the phone and, and talk to the very inaccessible Benny Cartman sometimes. <laughs> yes. yes. Benny's, Benny's very hard to reach. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have had worked together before. What took a you lot. from wanting to work together before a lot to saying, hey, we're going to write an opera together? There's just nobody I know who's better with words and with music than Tara. I mean, she is, you know, she's an Academy Award nominated songwriter. She's my sister. And so when it came to doing something like this, it's an obvious, it, for me, it was an obvious choice and, and something that I knew would expand both of us because mm-hmm. basically it expanded her into thinking about opera a little bit more, but I knew that I wanted it to also have character a character of song, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking about doing something in a short period of time. You want it, you want people to get it right away. And so there's something about songwriting um, that does that. So particularly in the third movement, you really, really get that. And um, and I think this is some this is a reason why this particular piece was really uh, Tara was a perfect call for it. Hmm. Tara, did opera end up sort of expanding your ideas of of what's possible, I guess, in in music? Oh, definitely. Um, well, as a child, like I, I was like, and to this day, like I was really, really tuned in um, to public access television. So there was so much um, there was I, I remember sitting on my floor, like in fourth grade, watching Madame Butterfly Butterfly and yeah. just kind of being um, immersed in that and wanting like, oh, wow, like who writes that? Because I've always been concerned, like really dialed in on who's writing what. And so. Um, I, I was listening and to uh, the feed and I, I was listening, hearing about Miss Phyllis and her mission. And that's become my mission as well, um, mm-hmm. making art accessible to everyone in the community. And um, that is that's something that 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 triggered me in this experience is that, wow, I'd love to do an, an opera in Oakland. I'd love to um, to to have people from my old neighborhood to see see how they um, how what kind of libretto they would write, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, and what what kind of a. Uh, what kinds of sounds could we get from some East Oakland slap into and in, in, in making it into an opera? So, yeah, I it's it really expanded me, and I'm always ever so grateful for Laura for introducing me to the these kinds of experiences. So, Laura, it's not just Tara that you're introducing to opera. As you mentioned, uh, you are the the co-composer for Lovecraft Country, and you incorporated a true aria into the episode about the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. And this just mm-hmm. got a huge reaction, I think, from people who who maybe didn't have an appreciation for opera before they heard how you wove this into this episode. It's just a devastating moment. Do you think that reaction said something about maybe the future of opera, that, that it's bigger than maybe some people want to realize in, in this modern age? People are maybe hungry for this. After that aired... I picked up the phone and called Jim Robinson, who you all know from Opera Theater St. Louis, and I said, we are missing an audience. Mm. There are people out there who have never heard the sound of an operatic voice who reacted to this in, in a way that was just beyond 
anything that I could have imagined. And I think there is an audience there, and I think it's incumbent upon all of us to go out there and find it and deliver opera to people who I think will love and appreciate it. And yet there's also sort of this lingering idea. If you talk to some people about opera, they think this is something that's fusty. They, they have no idea uh, how wonderful it is or the innovations that it's taking or, or how contemporary it can be. Tara, what do you think will be the key to, to getting people to give it a chance when they don't realize how much they might love it? I think exposure to um, like bigger exposure, just like in a Lovecraft Country mm-hmm. moment, um, it, it, it was it exposed so many different people. Like I, I follow Janai um, uh, on um, Instagram, Remember, and I yeah. see, yeah, she she just has like a whole new audience that's been exposed to her beautiful voice and. And what people aren't realizing is like, well, music is, is emotion. Like it's so, it's a tie to our emotions. So you can hear these beautiful stretched, like just beautiful melodies. And um, and it just it offers a new experience, you know, for um, uh, an endorphins and all that comes with, with, the, with music. So mm-hmm. I think that um, the more exposure it gets, um, the more uh, different, pockets of the universe to be able to get involved in it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good reminder about Phyllis's seats. That's a way that people can, mm-hmm. can see this year's uh, Opera Theater of St. Louis season. Yeah, no Me cost too. for those tickets. And and hopefully people will come out for this New Works Bold Voices Lab that, that your piece is a part of. I'm wondering, with travel still being kind of up in the air, are either of you going to be able to make it to St. Louis for this world premiere? Uh, Laura, what about you? Yes, I, 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 you know, I was just discussing this yesterday. I'm fully vaccinated, and I just don't see why I shouldn't make it, other than my own fears, which I think I can overcome at this point. <laughs> and Tara, what about you? Will you be there as well? I will, and my mom is coming with me, so I'm really oh, excited. Great. About that. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, is this the first time you'll be, you'll the two of you will be able to see opera in person since everything shut down uh, almost a year and a half ago? I mean, this seems like yep. a big moment here. It is big. This will be my it's first really time big. ever. Wow, yeah. your first time ever, and it's going to be your yes. opera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. Well, man, this is going to be a, a night to remember here in St. Louis. This is going to be, I believe, on June 10th that this makes its, or July 10th, that it makes its debut. This is New Works Bold Voices Lab, part of Opera Theater's 2021 festival season. Uh, composer Laura Cartman, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my great pleasure. And librettist Tara Stinson, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I hope Laura's not going to stop me, but I want to go out of the show with just a little bit more from On the Edge. This, again, is their work about uh, parenting during a pandemic that makes its premiere uh, this summer through Opera Theater of St. Louis. Homemade pizza and cake St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.